Hey there, and welcome to episode 72 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. You guys have been asking me for a show on co-packing for over a year, and I'm so, so happy to finally fulfill your wishes and deliver this episode, talking through how to prepare for working with co-packers and discussing the impact that it will have on your business. I am joined by my guest, Ashley Sutterfield, the CEO of Metzger and Roth. Metzger and Roth is a consulting firm that helps family-owned and solopreneur packaged food companies, so basically you guys, find the right co-packer to commercialize your product so you have more time to grow your business. We have so much to talk about today, so let's get right to it. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. I'm going to tell you a secret from my time as a grocery buyer. Buyers will only bring in your product line if they trust that you are going to bring high sales to your category. They don't care whether your product is the most delicious ever or made with local ingredients. They care about whether or not it's going to sell. How can you prove this to those buyers? With data. And that is why I love WeStock, and I wish it had been around when I was in my buyer role. WeStock has modernized the classic product request form, and it collects your fans and followers' enthusiasm into real data that you can use in your wholesale pitch. Buyers rely on numbers, and you can give them just that by collecting it with WeStock. Check them out at WeStock.io or find them in my show notes and use promo code FOODBIZWIZ for 25% off your first year. Hi, Ashley. Great to have you on the show today. Hey, Allie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. So my whizzes, like I said in the intro, I know I know you have a ton of questions around co-packing, and I can't think of a better person to help you wade through this growth period of your business than Ashley. So Ashley, let's get straight to it. So you began your career doing research and development with family-owned food companies at the Food and Agricultural Products Center at Oklahoma State University. Whew, that's a mouthful. And then you spent eight years at Tyson Foods in R&D commercializing products for companies like Domino's Pizza and Panda Express. I mean, that that in itself seems like a huge job. So is that where you started getting into the more of the manufacturing side of things with, with um, your experience in the industry? Yes, that's absolutely correct. I spent my career in food manufacturing facilities. When I worked with restaurants like Domino's and Panda Express, I not only did new product innovation, but I managed over a hundred million pounds of product. Oh and <laughs> yeah, and because a single product could be produced in several processing facilities, I was able to really fine-tune the differences in processing plants when commercializing a product. Um, as I manage multiple facilities that products were manufactured in, Mm -hmm. it means you have to have this big picture view and then you have to distill it down to the minute minute details. So keeping in mind that the existing product is the gold standard and we're simply reverse engineering the product with the existing processing Mm -hmm. line. 
So this experience really serves me today as I help clients navigate co-packer relationships. And when we go into a co-packer with a learning mentality, we have this perspective that we know our product, but the co-packer knows their process. Mm -hmm. And so when we approach it with a learning perspective, we can create the best possible match to the gold standard of the existing product. Oh, I, I love this. And I feel like it's, I, I hear my retail ready students express their frustrations with finding mm. co-packers I mean, yes. almost daily in our student group. It seems like it's a, a, a sticking point in the industry that is so hard for, for brands to get past. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'll say it officially on air. I'm so grateful for the work that you do and um, bless you for taking on this enormous <laughs> challenging facet of our industry. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's really about breaking the entire process of going to a co-packer down into manageable steps. And so that's what Metzger and Roth does, right? And and that's a business correct. that you started a few years ago, right? Yeah, correct. Um, so when I left Tyson Foods, I left to be a director at another company just briefly and then started Metzger and Roth in 2018 for the sole purpose. Uh, we've evolved somewhat over the years, but really honing in now and realizing this need for companies um, to have a guide through the process mm. um, of finding and developing a product with a co-packer. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure you hear those frustrations as well, right? Tell me it's not just me and <laughs> no, my retail ready students getting frustrated as they start navigating this process. So like, what are the frustrations that you hear? Yeah, I really, I think you've hit the nail on the head. What I start to hear first is one that there's such limited resources in information on how to commercialize a food product. How do you approach working with a co-packer. What are the steps you need to take before talking to a co-packer? And then how do you go into that relationship? And there's that can be very challenging for companies because there's so little information. Mm -hmm. And then because companies do feel this frustration before they've ever entered into the relationship, there can also be a distrust when starting a relationship yeah. with a co-packer. And that's something that I hear over and over. I do too. And I, I hear a lot of like um, distrust on, I think on a few different levels, like w one of the things that people are hesitant about is like, you know, is my co-packer going to steal my recipe? Is my co-packer going to be able to make my recipe in the way that, um, that I want? Are they going to be able to like meet my expectations? There's just a lot I don't know. I feel, I feel like it might come from the fact that we're so close to our products and, you know, they're, everybody like builds their business as their little, like as a little baby. And then it's scary to hand it off to somebody else. Oh, absolutely. That makes complete sense because you're right. It is our baby. We put so <laughs> much energy into a product and you want to know that it's protected and that it's meeting your standards for your brand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about trust in relationships with co-packers, but before we do, I'm going to go off script here, Ashley, bear with me. Absolutely. And I want to ask, ask you before we like really get into this episode is should, how, how should 
how should producers determine whether or not they should move to a co-packer? right? Like should all Mm. brands use a co-packer at some point or like, is it totally appropriate for some people to keep production in house? Oh, absolutely. It's, it is somewhat of a personal decision Mm -hmm. and really keeping in mind your, your volume that you're at today. If that has become so much of a burden that you cannot keep up and it's stunting the growth of your business, then that is when I suggest a company start to look for a co-packer. Understanding that that process can take up to six months typically to go through the right preparation for a co-packer and entering into process testing and then having your product run on a line. So yeah, I like to keep in mind that there is nothing wrong with continuing to produce your product yourself in a commercial kitchen. It is not for everybody, but for those people who are looking to grow their business beyond what they can today, then it's time to start thinking about a co-packer at least. <laughs> I like that you have that disclaimer, right? Like that it's it's important to start the process before you're in dire need of a co-packer, yes. right? <laughs> yes. I find, you know, that that adds into the frustration of I can't sure. find a co-packer and be, it's because we have this urgency behind it that we are maxed out in our commercial kitchens or wherever we're producing. And we're not able to meet the volume that we need to. um, And that, that just leads to so much frustration before a relationship even begins. Oh, of course. That's, that's the, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's a good problem to have that you're, you're maxed (laughs) out in production, but you know, there's nothing more frustrating than having, you know, an open PO that, (laughs) that you just can't fulfill because you can't, you can't make the actual product. Um, I've definitely seen that happen as well. So, okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that not everybody needs to have a co-packer. I, I had assumed that you were going to say that, but I just wanted to verify not everybody needs a co-packer. And it's really important to start the process of looking for a co-packer well before you need one. Did you say that it, you know, it can take, you know, over six months to find that right partnership? That correct partnership? Yeah. Typically I like when I'm working with a client, I like to start preparing six months ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that from the standpoint of entering into a relationship correctly. You can rush into one and find a co-packer. But I find that when we follow a system, it's much clearer and builds a stronger partnership for the long term and creates a win-win for both the co-packer and for your company. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know me, I like, I like systems as well. So I'm all for that. Okay. So let's, let's get back to this idea of trust. Cause we're going to talk more about like those steps for preparing to work with a co-packer later on. But I, I did want to touch on that trust point that you brought up at the beginning. So how, how do we, how do we start trusting a co-packer? What are there like things that we can put in place that, that makes a, I don't know, a stronger relationship? Like, what do we do to like convince me that I can trust a co-packer, Ashley? <laughs> yes. So first off, realize that you will enter into a legal agreement with a co-packer. Okay. And in that legal agreement, you will need to outline who owns the product mm. formulation, who owns the process. Um, you'll define the terms of exiting a partnership 
if needed. And of course, these are all points that you don't want to ever have to come to. But if you do, there's peace of mind in knowing that the legal agreement has already been signed and it is defined so that you can begin with this level of trust, understanding that you have your piece of ownership, I have my piece of ownership, and the two, I I don't have to worry about you stealing my formulation. Yeah, that makes sense. And so is that something that that typically the vendor, the the brand provides to the co-packer or does the co-packer provide that to its That's clients? That's a really good question. It it really depends upon the specific instance with gotcha. the company. So typically what I like to do with clients is we actually will have a lawyer draw up a an agreement mm-hmm. um, separately from what the co-packer has, right. and then we'll have the lawyer compare the two. So we will get an agreement from the co-packer. We'll have that lawyer compare the two, um, make any changes that are absolutely pertinent to us. If if there's something in the co-packer agreement that doesn't outline who owns yep. the formulation. Red flag number one, I want that in the contract. Um, And so it's really doing a comparison and coming to a mutual agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that that is... That, I think that that is so important that at the end of the day, it's a relationship. And while it may seem you know, really formal to be getting a contract and getting lawyers involved, like at the end of the day, it's a person-to-person business relationship. So that establishing boundaries and trust from the beginning is so important. Yes, you hit the nail on the head. Relationships are the absolute most essential part of this process. And understanding the rules and the boundaries, as humans, we function much better with rules. (laughs) When we have them, we know those boundaries and we're able to then build that trust and create the relationships with um, just with a clean slate and understanding that we have these things in mind and we have the peace of mind to move forward in our partnership. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, like you said, God forbid something bad happens, right? Like the relationship Mm -hmm. sours, at least you have the, not only the legal agreement, but you have you have a relationship with them, right? You can pick up the phone and call them and like, you know, start, start working it out rather than, you know, it being a a faceless transaction. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, I think that would be the second part of building trust is finding a co-packer whose values align with your own. Okay. And that then allows the relationship to be built very firmly. And it, creates a win-win for both companies when you understand the growth that you're striving for, uh, what the parameters of that growth need to be from a price standpoint. Um, it it really becomes something that you're nurturing when your values align and that relationship can be so much stronger. I've got two questions around, around values there. The mm. first one is is that I saw, I know, I saw on your website and what one of the things that really stood out to me was this idea that when you start working with a client or even before you start working with a client, you do, you get really clear on what that client's values are, right? Yes. And I find that to be absolutely essential as a business grows. It, 
it's different when it's just you as a solopreneur or a family-owned business, but when you start either hiring employees or hiring a co-packer, you have to be sure that your values are taken into consideration in those relationships. Mm-hmm. And if if they're not aligned, that business partnership is never going to be as fruitful as it could be. And so I spend a significant amount of time with clients working through what are your values and that helps guide us through the process. So even down to simple, I say simple, but (laughs) simple decisions like packaging. um, If you say that you value sustainability, but when it comes down to it, and your pr- packaging price is $2 per unit. Yeah. Pricing you may say no that price is way too high we need to find another option. Just realize that your value is placed higher on pricing than it is on sustainability. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's just knowing it, your values just help create a set of guidelines for you to make decisions down the road. Oh, yeah. I I really admire that that is the first step of your process because I think it's it's an easy thing to skip over, especially when, as you mentioned, we're especially if you're in this time crunch for finding a co-packer, right? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, what? I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's just skip that step. <laughs> it's just fine. It's good yeah. enough. Like, let's just, just sign the contract. Um, and then the second question that I did want to ask around values was, have you seen examples where clients have to compromise on their values as they, as they partner with co-packers? Yeah. Sometimes it's, you're never going to find a company whose values align specifically with your own. Right. So understanding that you are a unique individual, your company is a unique company, the co-packer is a unique individual that owns the co-packer, and they are a unique company as well. So your values are never going to align specifically point by point. Your top three priorities may be slightly different for each of you, but it's really finding someone who understands your values mm-hmm. and is respects them. And so it it's it's less about oh I need you to to value pricing because <laughs> they're trying to make money. <laughs> so you may have some differences there. Yeah. Um, but you want a company if if you value family and you find a company who is stone cold and doesn't respect their their employees, like right. that may not be a good fit for you. Right. Yeah. That's a great example. I, and I, <laughs> I like, I also like your pricing example where you're like, yeah, my company <laughs> values pricing just because you value pricing doesn't mean that you can like convince your co-packer to, to produce your product for, yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's, yeah. that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. So, okay. So what I hear you say is that, that the first step is like obviously getting really clear on your values and then making sure that you, the co-packer doesn't necessarily have to share your exact values. That might be quite impossible, but they have to respect your values going into that relationship. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Awesome. All right, Ashley, we've, we've already covered a lot. I'm going to have us pause for a few moments. I'm going to drop in a word from our sponsor and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about preparing to work with a co-packer, talking through a few more steps there. And then like, 
what happens when you do bring on a co-packer? How does it impact your business? So hang tight and we will be right back. You hear it from your customers every day. I love your product. I wish this was sold near me. When are you going to be carried at my favorite local store? It is time to capture those customer interactions and put them to work for your brand. We Stock streamlines the product request process and helps get your brand on retail shelves faster by collecting data that is essential for your wholesale pitch. And you have heard me say it enough times by now to know that buyers love data. A pitch that is backed by data is always going to capture that buyer's attention faster than a pitch without it. Learn more about how you can use your fans' product request to perfect your pitch at westock.io or linked in my show notes. And don't forget to use promo code FOODBIZWIZ for 25% off your first year. Okay, Ashley, we are back and we're going to talk about preparing to work with co-packers. So we already outlined that first step, getting really clear on your values. Anything else around that, 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 that like very preliminary first step that we need to talk through. Yet the only other piece of that first step is setting expectations for yourself. Mm. Um, Understanding that you have your existing product is what we consider the gold standard. And we're going to do everything that we can to match that product exactly. But as a company, you have to understand that a co-packer processing line will be different than your process today. Mm -hmm. And so just keep in mind that big picture that I'm trying to match the gold standard. And it doesn't matter necessarily how I get there, as long as I'm able to get there with the process that they have in place today. That makes sense. And I know, I know, Ashley, you come from a food science background too, right? So you've got this understanding of manufacturing and, and how we achieve these results on a production line. But I think, I bet that most solopreneurs don't have that experience and, and don't quite understand the disconnect between what they're doing and what the co-packer might want to do. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And it's completely fair, right? Most most individuals have never stepped foot inside a processing facility, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's just understanding up front that it does look very different than what you do in your kitchen or in your manufacturing today. It, it, they have a set of processes in place mm-hmm. that helps their company run efficiently and you're entering into their space now and you're giving them That's <laughs> you're giving them the standard to meet but understanding that they they understand their business as well and so it's finding the middle ground of let us implement our process and produce your gold standard product. Mm. And I can see why here it really goes back to trust, right? Like I need to be <laughs> able to trust my co-packer has my best intentions in in mind and is truly doing their best to achieve that gold standard. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also our responsibility to give the co-packer the information that they need to run our product correctly and to Mm -hmm. produce the right product. And so really the second step in the process of preparing for a co-packer is to define 
your current product and the process that you use um, and convert your recipe to a formula. And when I say that, companies will often say, oh, I already have a formula. (laughs) Well, you have a recipe that you run from. Typically, you're going to be using uh, cups or tablespoons or whatever typical kitchen measurements that you're using. And what we're doing to create a formula is we're taking those cups and tablespoons and converting them into grams and pounds mm-hmm. that then become a percentage in of the product. Mm. So that no matter whether we're producing a five pound batch or a 5,000 pound batch, your percentages do not vary. And that is where you get your standardization from. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay, so that makes that makes a lot of sense. So you're saying typically the brand does that work before before well, going to the co-packer. That is how I prefer to work with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that is not how most companies <laughs> approach it, and it's expected that the co-packer do that. Well, one, the co-packer will most often charge you for that process. Yep. And and that's okay. It's a right. relevant charge. Um, but what I find is that when companies go into a co-packer and they're interviewing co-packers, they're discussing um, how to move forward with a re- relationship, they get a lot of respect from a co-packer when you're the 1% of companies that approach them and mm-hmm. say, Oh, I already have a formula. I have a draft specification for my product that outlines the process, the product description, my rejection criteria. I have all of that in place already. Let me show that to you after you sign an NDA. Let me show that to you and let's see if this is a process that you're comfortable with moving forward. Um, in producing our product. Oh, this and, is so smart, Ashley. I, I love this. I love this. You're yeah, speaking my language. <laughs> co-packers, they, they will jump for joy. <laughs> they never, it's very rare for them to get a client who comes in and says, oh, I'm completely buttoned up. Let me tell you about my product, not just about how great it is, but like, let me tell you the scientific or the technical approach of, about my product. And that will build so much trust and respect from your co-packer into you that it it begins such a fruitful relationship. Oh gosh, this is so similar to what we teach in Retail Ready with the buyer pitch. And, you know, like the, the goal is to have those wholesale buyers jumping for joy when yes. you pitch to them with all of the information on, you know, here's how my, here's my, product velocity. Here's my category that I'm in. Here's where you should merchandise it. Here's my shelf life, you know, on and on and on. And it's so rare that brands do that, that when they do, they really stand out to a buyer. So I can, I can make the connection so easily how that that's um, very similar with a co-packer. Cause at the end of the day, you want that co-packer to trust you as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you made that connection between retail ready and this. It, you're, any company that you're working with will completely understand the value of being prepared for those conversations. And yeah. it, it translates so well to a co-packer as well. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask, 
I'm, I keep going off script on you here. So Ashley, I, I so appreciate this. So one of the things that I hear a lot is like, well, you know, I, it's, it's almost like a chicken and the egg thing, right? It's like, well, I don't have the sales. So the co-packer doesn't trust me. And I can't get the sales because I can't do the production. And it's like, you know, which there's this like constant struggle about how do they get a co-packer when they don't have the sales data to get the co-packer. And my bet is that taking these steps, having that formulation and, and really presenting to the co-packer in that professional way is one like workaround for that dilemma. Absolutely. And co-packers realize that you've put in the effort to prepare to come work with them. Mm -hmm. And so they're immediately, it it may still not be the right time, but they are prepared to at least have the conversation with you and give you information about what their minimum volume amounts are. And maybe that's a goal you set for yourself Mm. that, okay, that's the co-packer I want to work with. This is their minimum volume. And that is what I need to get myself to in order to partner with them. Now I got to (laughs) hustle. Now I got to hustle. And then once you're there, then you can begin to grow together. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. So it seems like we're now at this part, the point in our journey where we're interviewing co-packers. That's absolutely right. So you can, companies can find information for co-packers in several different locations. Um, one I always recommend is to approach your local university and or state university that has a food science program mm. and ask them if they have a list of co-packers in the state. Oftentimes they will, and they it may not be the most up-to-date list, but that's where your homework comes in. <laughs> and so you can gather a list from them. You may have a state coalition for, say, um, like... In Oklahoma, there is a Made in Oklahoma coalition mm. for food products made in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And in that case, then you can approach the coalition and ask if they have a co-packer list to refer to. Mm-hmm. Um, and another resource that is really excellent is Partner Slate and to yeah. approach the, you know, to join their membership and be able to have access to this entire list of co-packers across the country. And once you've identified the co-packers that you want to start talking to, don't just pick one. <laughs> Rule number one <laughs> it will probably not be the person you want to work with. So yep. choose, go Cast a compile wide the net. whole yeah. list. Yes. And this is when you begin interviews with co-packers and you're asking questions that fill out their values, but it also gives you an idea of what types of products they produce today. Um, how they source their ingredients, who their ingre- their label supplier is. Mm. Um, there's there's a whole list of questions, and I I recommend breaking them down um, into buckets such as ingredient sourcing, process capabilities, packaging capabilities, uh, manufacturing information. And just getting an idea of what are your minimum volumes? How is it that you source ingredients? Um, how do I need to prepare for you? Yeah. Also, all through that lens of 
what are my values and are you aligned with them? Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Yes. I also love Ashley that you dropped partner slate because I recommend that a lot in retail ready. And it feels good to me that you, you endorse them as well. Um, I've got, I actually, for my listeners, I've got a promo code for, for partner slate and I'll drop that in our show notes as well. Um, It's 25% off your, your membership there. So I love, I love them. Um, I think Matt, the founder of Partner Slate is just um, also like really, really thoughtful in our industry. So Ashley, I'm, I'm really glad that you endorse them as well. Yes, okay, so we are, company. we're narrowing our list. We're going on tours. Like we've identified our, maybe, I don't know, our, our top co-packers. Then, then what happens? Yeah. Once you've, so once you've narrowed your list, you've been on say two or three tours. That's what I would narrow your list down to is two or three companies that you would like to tour their facility. This will give you an idea of how do they run their day-to-day business? Um, Do they have the capacity to grow with you like you want? Um, And then once you've done that, the the next steps are to sign an NDA so that you have some stipulations in place for ownership. And then you can begin testing your product in their kitchen. A lot of times they'll have a commercial kitchen on site that they want to do small batch testing. Mm. And sometimes you can negotiate this as not being necessary because you've already have your formulation and your product specification in place. Um, But sometimes they will want to go ahead and do it so that they become familiar with your product. Sure. And that's okay too. Um, I, I do have company co-packers that I work with that I, I like that they still do kitchen testing because it shows me that even though they're, they're charging for that, they are putting effort into getting familiar with your product beyond just what the finished product is. Um, And then once you've done that and come to a formulation with them and understanding that your formulation may continue to be tweaked and changed throughout this process um, because they may use a frozen vegetable Mm -hmm. versus a fresh or a ground pepper instead of a uh, dried pepper. Yep. And so you're going to continue to tweak your formulation throughout this entire process and you get to production testing. Again, this is a process. You may not hit your gold standard on the very first run. So set your expectation for that. Have a plan in place for how you're going to offload that product if it doesn't meet your standard. Know that going into the production test. Um, and then once you finally get to a final product that you both agree meets the gold standard and their process capabilities, then you can write the final product specification and sign a contract. Okay. This makes sense to me. And I, I like that you touched on that point of figuring out what you're going to do with this, with all the test batches, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing worse than running like a thousand pound batch and then not having an outlet for it if it doesn't 
meet your standard yeah. to go on the shelf. And I've seen that happen. You know, it's happened to retail Reddit students. Oh it, gosh. Back in my days of large commercialization, I it was nothing for me to have a hundred thousand pounds not pass. That is painful and frustrating <laughs> on so many levels. And so I I like to keep that in mind still that that's, yeah. that can still happen no matter what size of company you are. And I think one of the beyond, you know, obviously beyond the food waste aspect of it, one of the painful things is when you're a small brand and you pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. You're literally paying for a product that you do not want and that doesn't meet your gold standard. And that can be really painful. Yeah. So it is good to have a financial plan in place for either how you're going to, what your, what amount you want to write off Mm. for this process Mm -hmm. or um, like what you can afford to lose basically. Yeah. And I think that like there are creative ways to recoup some of that money too, right? Like you could, you know, you could sell it direct to consumer as like a, you know, a being really transparent, saying like, we're testing new recipes. Like if you'd like to try our, our test recipe for 50% off, like here you go. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Like, yes. there, are, there are ways that we can stop the the bleeding there. So that's a really good point. I like yeah. that you make it that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, come back to our student group. We can, we can get creative here. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it might feel like it sucks, but we can, we can do something with it. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So, so then, like you said, you, you land on this recipe and you sign a contract and then, and then you're ready to rock and roll, right? Yeah. It's uh time to move forward. And I will say for the final specification, one thing that uh, may be really helpful for companies as they're looking at how to create the specification. Um, Some companies will have a template that they use, Mm -hmm. but one that you can implement very early on in that second stage of looking for your co-packer is um, I've written an article recently that's on partner slate about how to, what your product specification should include. Mm. Oh, cool. And so that's a really great resource to just help companies understand what should actually go in your product specification and how to begin those steps. Oh, great. So I'll link that article in our show notes as well. I think that'll be really valuable for our listeners. Okay. So you make it seem so easy. I feel like in a half hour, <laughs> we're like, there we go. <laughs> go yeah. out and find a co-packer. But I know it's, <laughs> I know it's much more complicated than that. And that's... You know, frankly, that's where you come in with with um, your business. Yeah, you know, it's it can be a very daunting process for companies, and that is where I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> it it can be very very painful if you are just jumping in feet first, but with no direction, and really, it comes back to breaking it down and creating a process to make it through. And so we know our our long-term goal is to be in production with a co-packer. And then we're just working backwards to identify the steps that we need to go through in order to achieve that goal. Yeah. And once once you hit that goal, I want to end here on a high note. Like, what is the impact for for these growing brands once they once they prepare and and land with a co-packer? 
Yeah. So once you've made it through this process, understand that your business growth can really begin to blossom. You as a company now have the capacity to begin selling to larger brands. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have the ability to also focus your energy in other areas of the business. And we all know as small business yes. owners, that is invaluable. <laughs> and so it it really does create this space for you to now now focus on the sales or marketing, wherever your specialty as the owner is, but you can begin to wear the other hats while your co-packer takes care of production. Yes. And it, yes. it doesn't mean that your responsibility with the co-packer is complete. Mm-hmm. You should be monitoring your product on an ongoing basis. Um, but when you trust them, there's this level of Okay, now I now I can spend my time growing my business, approaching the right buyers, and now I have a better story and pitch for my buyer because I can I can show them I'm prepared for growth now. Yeah. Yeah, and again it goes back to that trust thing, right? Then the buyers trust you because you're in this trustworthy relationship with a co-packer yes. and it all comes for full circle. Absolutely. Ugh. I love it. And I love that theme of focus because, I mean, you and I both know as business owners that that is the key to success, that focusing on focus is the hardest but most important thing that I do in my business. And I bet you can feel the same, that you feel the same way, Ashley. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Speaking my language. (laughs) Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. How can people, how can people find you? How can people, um, you know, find out more about your services? Tell me, tell me where you are online. We are on our website, which is metzgerandroth.com. It's M-E-T-Z-G-E-R, the word and Roth, R-O-T-H.com. And you can also reach me at Ashley at MetzgerandRoth.com. Great. I'm going to put both of those in our show notes. And before I let you go, tell me, you have something that's going to launch in the winter, right? 2021. Yes. So can you tell as, me about that? Absolutely. As we see companies coming into the new year, uh, and beginning to prepare for launching their products and with a new mindset or with a growth mindset, Mm -hmm. uh, we are launching our co-packer preparation program that begins in February. And that program will walk companies through exactly what we've talked about step-by-step in a 16-week program so that at the end of that program, you have interviewed co-packers, you've toured co-packers, you've prepared for working in the kitchen and uh, and through the processing facility with those co-packers, and you're ready to launch your product um, with that co-packer and begin that partnership. Oh my gosh. I didn't I didn't know that that's what's this. Uh, you can hear like the genuine excitement in my voice because I truly didn't know what was involved in that program. And I'm, oh, that's that's going to be so valuable for so many brands, Ashley. That's so cool. Yeah, that's what we're hoping is that 
you know, we, we see the value in it with our individual clients. And this program will just allow us to walk through the step-by-step process with many more companies and we'll launch the program with a very select group. So if you're interested in that, reach out. Uh, we will have our a webpage on our website specifically for this. So you can find more information for it there too. Oh, yay. I'm so excited. As I mean, as you know, I'm all about the online group learning and, you know, with Retail Ready as an example, it has just, it's just so fulfilling when you can make an impact on more people. And so Ashley, I'm I'm so excited for the Copacker preparation program. That's, that's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it with us. Yes, of course. Okay. So Ashley, thank you so much for being on the show. As always, I, I so appreciate your time and, and all of the knowledge that you've shared with our food biz whiz community. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay. My whizzes. I know today's episode was filled with great information about preparing to work with co-packers. And like I said, I can't thank Ashley enough for the time she spent with us today. So if you would like to continue the conversation, head back on over to our Food Biz Wiz Facebook group or send me a DM on Instagram. Both can be found directly in our show notes. So thanks for tuning in this week and you will see me right back here next week with another episode. Have a good one and stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Wiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.